Bridge. Do you call it Witness Bridge or Runcorn Bridge? Or it's probably got an official name. Which one? The original one? No, the new one. The reason I'm asking is because I've just been over it again. I've ordinarily, when I'm taking daughter number two to college, I'd ordinarily go over the bridge and then come back over the bridge. But it's costing four quid a day doing that. So I've, sometimes, when I'm not in any rush, I come back through Warrington. But it's a bit more complicated. And all the signs trying to get out from Cronton back over here seem to point you in the direction of going over that new bridge. They don't like to tell you that there is an alternative route. So I've worked it out. Anyway, it's cut a very short story long. It's the Mersey Gateway Bridge, the new one. Is that what it's called? Yeah. How much did it cost? Oh, too much probably. I don't oh. know. It's, 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 I think it's something like 80% privately owned, isn't it? So I've no idea. Is it? 80%? Crikey. Something like that, yeah. I thought it was 100% privately owned. I remember reading somewhere 80%. You might have bought more of it since. I know it classes as a private road. It's £2 a time, so however much it cost, it's going to take an incredible amount of time for them to reduce that before it becomes free. Because I seem to remember George Osborne, at the time, prior to it being built and getting approval, said that it would be free, completely free, for all Warrington residents. Well, he backtracked on that much later once it started to be built and was passed. Yeah, But he said, irrespective of the fact that Warrington doesn't now get it free, at the time he said that after a number of years, once the debt is paid off, then it will be free for all. Is that the same as the tunnels? Why, do you still have to pay for the tunnels? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> they put the price up not long after the bridge opened to um, kind of coincide a, a similar pricing structure. Right, that's very good of them, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that was very, really nice of them. Um, yeah, because the, originally they said once that was paid for, yeah. that it would be free. I, th it's been, I think someone worked out how it's been paid for multiple times over the years. I mean, it, there's also, I mean, I remember somebody saying as well, the um, council tax in Halton was put up a number of years ago to pay for a new bridge. Right. Well, was that to pay for that new bridge or to be doing up that Jubilee Bridge or whatever it's called? I'm not entirely sure. Um, I, some, somebody did tell me it was for a new bridge, but I've not, I've right. not really looked that much I into know, it. I, I know I did ask you this last week, but you never replied. Typical. Um, <laughs> when are they opening that bridge again? Oh, that's why I didn't reply. Nobody knows. It's it's meant to be soon. It was only, it was originally meant to be closed for twelve months. Yeah, well, I thought it was to be closed for a short amount of time and then opened to coincide with the new bridge. It had to be closed for a certain length of time before they could toll it. Oh right. Apparently, you can't toll an existing road. Oh, so the Jubilee so Bridge be... is going to be tolled. Yeah. Well, if they didn't toll that, everyone would go over that, wouldn't they? Hang on, are we talking about the same thing here? The old the bridge old is system. going to be a tolled bridge as well, is it? Yes. I never knew that. 
Yeah, I mean that's some say that's the reason why it was closed for so long because apparently once a road is closed for so long it becomes decommissioned. Right. So then you can open it up as a new road and you can toll it. Wow. <laughs> I was assuming that that was going to be free as it always was and therefore Ooh. people would move away from the new bridge and make that more free flowing. Although to be fair, it's not exactly chocker. Although I don't know what it's like at rush hour. I only have a go when it's not rush hour. It's usually pretty smooth at all times. Obviously, if there's an accident on it or something along those lines, it it can get backed up. But not as bad as the old one was when they were doing constant roadworks to it. Yeah. Well, it was always a pain. Yeah. Well, they they had, I think, for the last about 18 months of it being open, it was down to one lane each way. I don't really remember it being anything other than that. (laughs) It seems to have been one lane each direction for years. Yeah, well, I believe that's what it's going back to as well. Oh, crikey. Well, it'll be, it'll be okay because most people use that. The idea, I think the idea is that that's going to be used just for local traffic where you're just heading into Witness Town Centre from Rungrum. So does that mean as a Halton resident you'll get reduced or free or...? Well, we Currently, we pay £10 a year. Um, for the new bridge, the don't you? I've, well, from what I've been told, it's, it's going to be on both. It's, it's the same company. I, I think it's the same company running both. Oh, right, so you only pay £10 a year and you get to use both bridges? As far as I know, yeah. I mean, but It's not £10 each? No, I think it's just £10 oh. per person. Because that's a very frustrating thing for me, even though I've only just started using it, is I can't book in advance. Well, yes, I can book in advance, but I think you have to put 20 quid down. Fine, but you also have to pay a £5 charge, which kind of defeats the object of trying to save some money. Because you say, I think you get 10% off. Yeah, you do. Off a crossing. Now, 10% on, on two quid. Yeah, so, so you pay 180 across instead of two. Yeah, well, you're better at maths than me at this time of the day. <laughs> How many 20 pence is in, uh, in five quid? So it's five. That's, 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 well, there's five in a pound, isn't yeah, it? So yeah, it'll be 25. So, yeah, 25. So it's 25 crossings before I get the money back. Crikey. Yeah. Mm, so it's not really going to be all that worthwhile for me. Oh, well, I think I've run out of things to say about the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised we lasted so long on the topic, to be fair. It's, it's not exciting of topics. Yeah, bridge over troubled waters. Um, <laughs> tell me about your gig then. Uh, sorry, gigs over the weekend. Gigs. I, had, I hadn't oh. realised you were doing it yesterday as well. I know you said you were going to be yeah. doing a few, but I thought that was Friday and Saturday. I hadn't realised it was Sunday as well. Yeah, it was, uh, it was Friday evening, Saturday morning, Saturday evening, then Sunday afternoon. Wow. So, and did yeah, you play a, the same songs? No. Liar. <laughs> I, did, well, I, I played some of the same songs, but I, I played a different set at each one. Oh, right. Oh, crikey. Um, so a friend of mine who does ship cruises, he was told prior to signing on that he is not allowed to repeat the same song in any given week. Wow. And he was petrified. He said, you know, I've got, and he's a great musician, but he said, you know, I've, you know, I've got a huge repertoire. But I haven't got that big a repertoire. So he was really panicking when he first signed up to go on these cruises, despite the fact that he was taking him all over the world. But he said, once he's there, once you get the first couple of days out of the way, that rule's ignored. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Nobody checks up on him. Yeah, no, I've played festivals where I've done about six hours worth of music and not repeated a song. Blimey. Um, But not, I don't think I could do a whole week. Crikey, I'm not sure I'd even do a day. (laughs) So It depends on how many hours they want me to play in a day. Right, true. Were you doing mainly originals or were you doing covers? No, on the Saturday morning, that was originals. Um, that was this is the one Park in Manchester, wasn't it? Oh, sorry, no, that was Castle Saturday Park. Saturday morning was Castle Park in Frodsham again, so I was back there yeah. doing the original music. 
The weekend um, in Manchester, that was the Taste of Tennessee an event. So they had live music. So they wanted country music. I was doing, um, you know, me mainly traditional style country, a lot of the hits. So a bit of Dolly Parton, Johnny Cash. Is this why you were saying last night that some guy from Tennessee was there? He'd come yeah. over especially, or he was just no, no. He, 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 live, he lives in Manchester now with his uh, right. with his partner. So well, I don't know who suggested, but they came along, and he's more of a fan of the old traditional style. So I mean, there was a few originals in there. As as well. Did your originals go down okay? Yeah. You normally yeah. do. Yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a really nice thing. It's, it's trying to get that balance right because when you get events like that, you've got people that come because they want to go to the event, mm. but they don't really know country music. You have to be careful. that So these people, they, they will have heard of Dolly Parton and, and they will know 9 to 5 and Jolene. Yeah. They might know. Even I know that. that. Even you know that. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody knows those. Um, so you, you've got the, the hits that became crossover hits. So things like um, Ring of Fire for Johnny Cash and yeah. uh, Country Roads by John Denver. So there's these songs that are crossover hits that you can play for anyone. And then there's songs and artists that really only people who listen to that type of style of music will be into. So for country, you've got people like Don Williams, who not yeah. a lot of people in this country have heard yeah. of. You're a big fan of Don Williams. I am a big fan of Don Williams. He's, my, he's probably my all-time favourite country artist. Really? Oh, I didn't realise that. I knew, I knew you were a big fan. Was it? Did you yeah. say your dad used to play it or something? My dad used to play him, and before that, my dad's mum played them for my dad. Or, or in other words, in other words, eat gran. <laughs> a gran, yeah. <laughs> That's normally well, the shorthand. <laughs> well, some people say gran, some say nan, some say oh, gran. That's true, yeah. I, yeah. I was just trying to make it obvious who I was yeah. talking about. Yeah. As it was, uh, she was referred to as gran. Uh, my mum's mum was nan. How did you get all these gigs, though? Because when I was talking to Junior about it, he's saying he's really struggling to find anything. Well, this was, say, these were all in the same venue. So this was one event, really. In effect, was one gig over three days. Right. One, one very long gig over three days. And this was due to a country artist who was originally from Manchester, now lives in Scotland, a guy called Scott Ashworth, who you should check out. He's a very fine songwriter. Okay. Um, his sister's a friend of a guy that owns the venue, Coal and Cotton, that I was at. So and, is it uh, a restaurant or is it a pub? Or is it a, it's, is it's it, a, is it a music venue? No, it's a restaurant. But then they've set up, it's almost like an open-sided teepee. I don't know if you've ever seen them before. Yeah. Um, it's like two, like two teepees in, in kind of, they come together in the middle. Okay. Um, to give more quite a bit of space. So they had that set outside. And um, just in case it rained, but there was no bad weather, thankfully. Well, well, where were you performing in one of them? Well, it's it's kind of two into one. So kind of just as that finishes, they had sun umbrellas that they have outside, the, the really big, large ones. So yeah. I was kind of set up underneath one of them, right at the edge of where people were kind of sitting. Was it warm enough? Yeah, oh, they had um, patio heaters as well. Oh, perfect. Just going back to that... Um, <laughs> you would have loved that. I, I was a little oh. bit toasty. Oh, wonderful. Because the uh, King's Lock one, I was thinking, it's getting a bit nippy. And I mean, that was, what, a month or so ago? Well, you know me then. I was uh, I was warm on that one. I always am when I perform. The only time I've been cold was, was mid-December. And it was about 6pm and it was an outside gig. Because I would hate to play outside, even if it is under canvas. Simply because, well, do you not find the guitar goes out of tune? It can do. I mean, what I try and do is I try and get it out as early as I can before the gig starts. Yeah. So it acclimatizes to whatever. I think once it's kind of got to that temperature, mm. it can't, It doesn't stray too far out, I've found. My concern was because they had the uh, patio heaters and I wasn't too far from one, was that that was going to battle and send it out of tune quite a lot. But I, I was, seemed to be in that kind of sweet spot where it was just far enough away from the heater 
But saying that, because we had to be, I mean, I had to be finished by 20 past nine on the evening once, so they could clear the venue for 10. Yeah. Was it busy? It was, yeah. I mean, it was all, they had certain tables where, you know, they were booked, so you had certain groups on certain tables. Yeah. And they had, obviously, they had security to ensure that people were following the rules and had masks on when they needed them and didn't get up and dance, even though, you know, when people have had a drink, they want to get up and dance and and whatnot. So they had, the security were were really good and really nice saying, you know, as much as the venue kind of want you to make people want to dance, they can't have people dancing. No. So it's it's really hard for them because if you play all the songs that nobody wants to dance to, nobody really wants to go out. Well, that's right. It's trying trying to get that balance. It's not an enjoyable night for somebody to just go out and just listen to somebody playing really slow, very quiet songs. That's not why they want to see live music. No, so they, they most they want to feel something. So, you know, people were tapping on tables and things like that. So it, it was it it was nice, but it's it's still weird compared to the way it was. You know, yeah. whereas like if, if you pulled out the um, the Credence version of Proud Mary, as I know you can't stand the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the song Tina Turner wrote? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't I mean? So many people just don't have a clue who wrote songs or who original artists, especially yeah. when it's um, country. Yeah, um, and. Because well, of, I was I, I obviously was aware it wasn't Tina Turner who wrote it, but that yeah. is the song. That is the only time I've ever really well. When I became aware of that song was her version of it. I think um, most people, and I hated it. For most people, I, I can't bear it. I can't bear her version of it. I don't know why. Because I quite like Tina Turner, but I just can't stand her version of that song. And I think I think um, if you listen to that song to me, that you've that's because um, she was still with Ike at that time, wasn't she? And that came out of thing. <sighs> I'm not sure. I think she was. Because oh. to me, that feels more like a, an Ike Turner sound. Well, it's just mid-80s. I think I, mid-80s sound to me, that early mid-80s. Because I, oh, I thought she'd done it a little bit earlier. I mean, it's... Oh, it might have been. I'm going to uh, I'm going to Google whilst we're chatting. Okay. Because um, I think later on in the career, she tried to... She seemed to go a little bit more... There's a little bit more solo blues kind of in, in, the, in her sound. Steamy windows. <laughs> Hate that one as well. <laughs> it's a strange title, isn't it? Right. I'm looking it up now. Uh, I can't be right. Who sang Proud Mary first? Tina Turner or Credence? <laughs> I think it was Tina, wasn't it? Um, well, she wrote it, clearly. Uh, yeah. Why doesn't it tell me when it was released? All it's doing is telling me all sorts of different video versions of it. The original version was 1970, 1971. 1988. I didn't, I didn't raise that early. Is that when it was, 88? Well, that's that's what it's come up for. Right. I thought it was mid-80s. Well, 88, that's even later, isn't it? Crikey. So not far off the beginnings of Oasis and, and that sort of era. Another of your favourites, Oasis. Oh, well done. I've just, it, done another, I, I've just done another search. It said 1971. 71 must have been when it was written, surely. Well, quite often. 69, it was released originally. Yeah, 71. I can Tina Turner done a version. Oh, right. And that's, I think that's the version that people have heard. So it was 71. I thought it was earlier than 88. Tina Turner released it solo yes. in, eight, in 88. That, oh, no, 93, according to that. That's the one I'm thinking of, the solo version. In fact, to be honest, I don't even know if I know the I can Tina version. Yeah, you do. Do I? That's the main one, right. as far as I'm aware, because it's... Uh... All I envisage and picture in my mind when somebody mentions that song is her doing this very glossy mid-80s video of it. And and it's, oh, I don't know, it just... I don't... I'd have to look at both versions, but to me, the, the version I'd heard kind of strikes of Ike Turner's um, music style. 
Right. More, more than late uh, Tina Turner. I suspect once I once we finish this and I look up the I Can Tina Turner version, I suspect I might prefer that. Or, you know, I could, I could probably tolerate that. It's just that mid-80s... Just go for Credence. Just listen to that. Well, yeah. As you know, big fan of Credence, just lately. <laughs> yes. Um, now you finally listen to me going, oh, give them a listen. Yeah, yeah. I'm only, what, 50 years late. <laughs> Being my age, I, I missed all of it the first time around, so I'm late to everything with it. But yeah, I've, I mean, they, they are definitely one of the most underrated bands. Well, are they underrated? I thought well, it, maybe it's just me who no, did yeah. underrate them, who wasn't, no, who wasn't of, aware of them. <laughs> a lot of people just... They don't really, they're not on most people's radar, even though they know more songs than they think. Because something like Bad Moon Rising, everyone knows Bad Moon Rising. Yeah. A lot of people don't know who, who, who wrote it or who performed it. It was the other so, the other two songs that really got me into it, watching that Die Hard film, which I can't remember which one it was, Die Hard 4, I think. And they played the Senator's Son one. What's it called, that? Oh, um, something Man. Fortunate Son. Fortunate Son, that's it. And I thought, oh, it's great that. And because I was watching, I didn't watch the whole film. I only caught, like, say, the last, I don't know, 15 minutes of the film as the credits were rolling and they were playing the song. I was just, oh, crack, who's that? Whose voice is that? I didn't know who it was. So I looked it up and there you go, Credence. And I went, oh, I have to yeah. reverse everything I've ever said about them. <laughs> yeah, John, John Fogarty, I mean, he's got such a unique voice. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really, 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 really good voice, a unique voice. But yeah, I mean, again, he's just such a really good songwriter. I think he is. And that kind of leads me back to what I was talking with Junior about over the weekend because I was always of the, I wouldn't say the impression, but maybe I was more swayed towards the more complicated a song is, then the more, I wouldn't say applause, but more recognition that people would give it. Um, but no. it seems that the more simplistic songs are the ones that, you know, pick up or re it, resonate with the public at large. And with, with something like, what was it called? Senator's um, Fortunate Son. Fortunate Son. It's only three chords all the way through. Although yeah, he, re I'm, he reverses in certain parts, but it's only three chords. Yeah. I mean, it's you, you use as, as few chords as you need. I mean, I'm very much, I am, you've heard most of my songs, I'm very much keep it simple. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you put in as, as little as you need to a song to make it work. It's. I mean, it, it depends obviously on the style of music. If you, if you want to play jazz, you probably are going to get a bit more complicated. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've for me, I, I look at the songs that have had longevity because I, I, used, I used to worry that I was too simple in my songwriting, especially in the chord structures and things. And then you look at the songs that have had that longevity and there are exceptions to it. I mean, there's, there's things like some of the songs by Queen, yeah. or even though I'm not a fan, Pink Floyd, that have had longevity and there's, there's more complexity there. But if you look at the majority of songs that have had a longer life, Mm. A vast majority of them are simple. It's there's not there's not a great deal to them. It's the artist and performer, and quite often it's the melody. Oh, and the yeah. Feel, well, the, that's the, well, that's one of the reasons people. why I was using it as an example with Junior over the weekend. Something like "Hello Goodbye." I know it's the Beatles, but McCartney wrote it. Really, that is deceptively simple. Yeah. If you just listen to it as the general public, you just think, "Oh yeah, yeah, nice melody, sing along sort of thing." doesn't really come across as being all that complicated. But it's actually more complicated than it appears. And I think yeah. that's what I like about, when I talk about complicated songs, going back to Paul Weller, the jam era, he started developing a style and then moving into the style council of seemingly having the same chords all the way through, maybe all the same chords for the verse, same chords for the chorus all the way through. But he would modulate and slightly adapt a chord every now and again. 
So even though it sounded like the same chorus, it in fact was slightly different. And I think that's what I mean by more complex songs that kind of interested me at the time, though maybe not so much now. Oh, I don't know though. Maybe it still does. But I think what will what will get most people isn't chord structures and things like that. Because obviously the, the chord structure just relays whether or not it's got a happier sound or a sadder sound, depending on how, or wherever in between. It is the melody first and foremost that will catch people. Well, absolutely. And this is something I talked about with Junior. My thing has always been melody. And yeah. Junior is saying the same. He, he will write the melody for his songs first prior to doing the lyrics. Although he was saying that sometimes. He, he does adapt that sometimes. But I've always done that whenever I've been songwriting. It's just melody first. And that's why the weakness in me is lyrics, because I then got to shoehorn lyrics into that melody to try and make the melody fit exactly. And I remember going back, I can't remember his name, but he's a guitarist in in Yes, a band you don't really care about, and I don't really care about them either. But I remember reading something years ago that, yes, when they did their sort of 1980s sort of poppy approach, They would take a song, a chord structure of a hit song, because they wanted to, instead of just being progressive rock, they wanted to make hit songs at that point. They would take a chord structure of a hit song and work it, you know, jam it between them. And they've still got the same melody in their head, but they're saying, right, whilst we're working out the arrangement for it, we'll keep that melody. We won't use the same words, of course. We'll keep the melody and we will change the melody later. But they found increasingly they couldn't take the melody away once they'd got the chord structure because it was embedded in the way that they were writing the song. So eventually they would get the lyrics to fit the same melody or close without being, you know, sued. Yeah. I'm probably a little bit different. It's I don't necessarily have a full melody in my head and I will adapt it as I'm writing. Quite often to suit the song and sometimes I'll be like, right, I want to take it up here or Shall I take it up? It's like um, a million butterflies. Mm. Originally, when I wrote that, I had two or three versions, two two or three different melodies. Oh, right. So one of them where, obviously, the the finished one, it goes really up at points. Mm. I I take it. And there was was another version that's almost like the polar opposite. It's, It's sung a lot more melancholy. Right. Which is probably more in fitting with the lyrics. Well, um, McCartney would do something with that, in that that's frequently does it. Silly Love Songs is a prime example. Three chords pretty much predominantly all the way through. But he has four, possibly five different melodies that he originally wrote for it. And then he just decided, well, I'm not going to throw them, all these melodies away because they all work. So I'll combine them. And that hence, that's why he has all sorts of different counterpoint harmonies coming in and, and yeah. it just works. Yeah, I mean, it's, it can all work. So I just... I just sat there and I, I, I think I narrowed it down to maybe two versions and then I just played it for Sue and I was I was thinking the higher melody was the one that worked best and she agreed, but I didn't tell her my preference first. Right. Played it and just said, which one do you think? She went, oh, I think the higher one. Right. Seems to work. And that's kind of how that one came about. Right. Um, I'm going to have to call an abrupt ending to this, not because I can't talk for another hour with you. Should we build up some type of suspenseful drama then? Yeah, I think that we should now try and think of a title, because I always try to give these podcasts a title, a pun. I think you got it before with Bridge Over Troubled Water. Well, that's not a pun, is it? No, that's (laughs) true. That's just a song title. I was just thinking song titles. Because we were talking guitars, me and Junior. And he's talking about all you know, his favourite types of guitar. I saw that Love, Love Me yeah, Fender. Love Me yeah. Fender, and the one before was Jail. Because he was talking about lockdown. He feels like he's in jail, so that's why I got Jailhouse Lock. Perhaps he should be in Jailhouse Lockdown. Yeah. Bound to end up something to do with I Can Tina Turner and Proud Mary. Well, it, is, uh, it might just be Credence. You know, we could just, we could just go with that. Right, I'll talk to you soon. Bye, See you later. Bye. 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 Bye.